You're probably familiar with Sawyer as the maker of everyone's favorite water filter, the Sawyer Squeeze. But did you know that they also make a picaridin-based insect repellent? Why is this important? Have I mentioned that turning 50 comes with some kickers? One of which is a new allergy to DEET, which I discovered while in the Philippines. Picaridin saved my life. Sawyer makes a 20% picaridin repellent that is as effective at repelling mosquitoes, flies, gnats, chiggers, and ticks as 100% DEET, but won't damage plastics or synthetic coatings. Because it's derived from pepper plants, it's family-friendly and safe for 50-year-olds with allergies. You're getting protection from Zika, West Nile virus, dengue and yellow fever, and probably most importantly, Lyme disease. And for more protection, you can add Sawyer's permethrin spray to your gear and clothing, which will also help repel and kill the little boogers. Look, I listen to your tortured insect stories from the trails. I don't know about you, but when we all can finally leave our houses again, I want to be as protected as possible and ready for some adventure. As time goes on, I realize that just that, yeah, like I think it, I, I mean, it. there's no way that it can't change you from that experience. But even just the other day, I kind of looked back at one of my videos that I did before the trail, just because I was, I talked about some gear that I wanted to look at. And I just think I, to myself, I, I look so different then than I feel now. Like it was just a year ago, but I feel like there's just more of like an innocence about me then. I don't know. Welcome to the Hiking Through Podcast. I'm Erin Egan with another pre-pandemic episode, and this is the podcast where I talk to experienced thru-hikers about their adventures on the trail and strategies for successfully completing a thru-hike. Today's guest is Taco Salad, known off-trail as Mari Johnson. She came halfway around the world to take on the PCT in 2019. Having built her brand and YouTube channel around travel and travel videos, documenting her thru-hike became a natural extension of that. In this episode, she talks trail names, overnight oats, a Sierra birthday party, and the joys of Washington, the rain, the snow, and the mice. You can find this episode and all previous episodes at hiking-through.com, where you can also find show notes, photos, and links for any gear mentioned in this podcast. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcast and all the other podcast places. Enjoy my conversation with Taco Salad. Hi. How's it there? It well, in LA right now, it is the sun has finally come out, so it's blue sky and sunny. Oh, nice. That's good. But it's it's pretty funny because you are 21 hours ahead of me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, you're in March and I'm still in February. Oh, uh, true. Yeah, it's I'm in the future. <laughs> How is the future? It's pretty beautiful. Looks good so far. <laughs> Perfect. Because I know you, your videos aren't all the way through the monument yet. Yep. But I, I, 
believe you you got there at some point and and we will get there video wise at some point yes yeah that's true (laughs) spoiler alert i should say spoiler i know (laughs) yeah yeah so i was originally hoping to have the videos done by now but um you know life (laughs) yeah so it's been fun going back through and kind of reliving it all did it help being able to i mean have that much content and and i guess memories of the trail did that help with the so-called post-trail depression? Yeah, I think so. I mean, to be honest, I guess I, well, it's been interesting, but I think, so when I finished the trail, Washington was pretty much raining every day. It was just very (laughs) wet. (laughs) Yeah. And um, not ideal. And then by the end it snowed. So we were walking through fresh snow. And um, so by the end, I was just really ready to be done. (laughs) Like I was like, I've been out here a long time, pretty ready to be done. And I was just so happy to be done that I don't think I had any kind of like initial, you know, post-trail depression Mm -hmm. that other people might get just because I was just so happy (laughs) to be that I actually did it and then I finished and um and to be done and to be off yeah and to be done and then kind of just go get back to like a normal life which is weird because I've um really liked being nomadic like I feel very happy traveling all the time and uh, moving from place to place and that's always what kind of I yearned to do but for some reason by the time I finished the trail all I wanted to do was just be in one place and like settle down (laughs) for a little bit so yeah it was an interesting transition I guess but yeah so the videos have helped me kind of be able to go back through and kind of just appreciate all the little things a little bit more yeah does it help you kind of process what you did yeah I think so because actually like when after I finished it just all felt like a dream kind of for a, a while and I think now I guess it's just with time but maybe the videos as well is kind of you know just bringing me back and being able to just see it all again and you know now I'm I have the video so I know it wasn't a dream <laughs> I'm like oh <laughs> that happened <laughs> so yeah I think it, it is really nice to have all of that footage and yeah be able to share it with other people as well in watching those videos again, was there, I'm I, actually, I'm probably sure there's been a, a couple of times when you're watching the videos, you're like, oh yeah, that happened. I, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the stuff. Yeah. That has happened definitely. And we're just seeing well, some of the, it just feels kind of crazy, all this stuff that happened. Um, and it's also kind of nice going back through now because I can just kind of appreciate it for the good the good times and stuff. Um, even though there are times that I know while it was happening, they were really stressful or intense and not that fun. But now looking back, it's like, Oh, it was so fun. <laughs> Cause I know, I mean, I know I made it safely and I, you know, I made it to the end and I don't have to be stressed out about anything. <laughs> yeah. What probably caused you the most stress on trail? Um, Hard to say. I mean, I think it's just you're putting yourself through, like putting your body through a lot, like just your body's kind of in a stressed way, (laughs) Um, just from the, uh, you know, just walking all day and carrying the stuff. And but yeah, I guess I I just really wanted to finish. So I was always like, you know, by the end, it was just like calculating 
how many miles I had to do per day to make it in time. Like just, I think just like not knowing if I was going to finish or if I was going to get injured or what, you know, just the unknown, I guess, seemed the most stressful. Yeah. Because yeah. of the fact that any given on any given day, you could have gotten injured? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, I was never hoping for it. And I'm a pretty optimistic person. But I think in the back of my mind, I always knew that something could happen at any given moment, and then it would end the hike or it's just the stuff that you can't plan for or never expect to happen. That's an, always a possibility. And because I saw friends get injured and people, things that happened to them that they had to get off trail. So yeah, I guess you just never knew kind of what would happen, which is what makes it exciting as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, the double-edged yeah. sword. Yeah, exactly. When did you finish? Um, I finished on October 2nd. Oh, Baby. Yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Hence, by the time I got done, I was like, just so ready to be done. <laughs> it's like, um, yeah, so it was kind of a storm came through, right? I think we were like three days away from finishing. And then a storm came through. And because uh, I hiked with my uh, boyfriend, we were gonna try and push through. And then um, a ranger saw us and was like, no, like you really, he's like, I don't recommend it. You really shouldn't. So then we had to get off trail for two days and wait it out, <laughs> which was interesting. So close to the end, um, having to get off trail, but it ended up working out. Yeah. Where were you at that point? Uh, we were just outside of Winthrop. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's oh, rainy pass, I think. Okay. Oh, it's all a blur now <laughs> but yeah it was interesting because every pretty much everyone that was on trail got off trail so then it was just like this giant cluster of people again by the time we all got back on trail which was kind of nice because it was like we reconnected with a bunch of other people and got kind of got to finish with you know a good crew of people so that was pretty cool to me it would also make it particularly in those conditions feel a little safer maybe yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, we were all kind of out there together. Um, yeah, I guess which was nice. And there, I mean, there was a lot of people out there. Um, so, yeah, it was good, you know. Yeah, I suppose so. Did you have the gear or had you had somebody send you back your winter gear? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Washington, since it was raining a lot and it just was pretty cold, so... I got, I had my mom send me back some winter gear um, to Stevens Pass, mm -hmm. um, just so kind of some more warm layers I got there and some of my other rain gear. And then since we got off trail in Winthrop, I bought more cold weather gear just because we knew like it, it was snowing out there and we were going to go back sleeping, potentially sleeping on snow. So we really wanted to be warm. So I got more like warm mittens and then I don't remember what else. I think I know my boyfriend ended up getting like a blanket. <laughs> it was the only thing that um, like he couldn't find any sleeping bag liners or anything. And we just didn't want to be really cold. So he was like, I can carry a blanket for three days. <laughs> That's fine. But yeah, so we made it work. <laughs> what was your, your sleeping bag at that point? Um, it was um, a UGQ quilt, a 10, 10 degree, yeah, 10 degree. So 
Um, I was pretty good, but just when it was really cold, I kind of I wore all of my layers, and I had a sleeping bag liner. So, yeah. So you had <laughs> but that most up. of the time it was great. Yeah. That's fine. So you had that up in Washington. Yeah. Did you also have that, or did you also need all of your layers and stuff in the Sierras? Yeah, a couple nights sometimes, but overall the Sierras was they weren't. It wasn't as hot, or sorry, it wasn't as cold as I thought. It was going to be, I think, I mean, because it was summer, I don't know, like when you're walking, at least in the day, it's actually pretty warm. You just happen to be walking on snow. (laughs) um, The early morning starts, though, were pretty chilly. But yeah, it wasn't as bad as I thought. Yeah, I guess it it's that disconnect between it is white all over. And so it appears cold. Mm hmm. But then I see you guys walking around in in shorts and right, <laughs> yeah. A lot of people were like, "How are you walking in shorts?" I'm like, oh, it's really hot, <laughs> especially with the sun bouncing back off the snow was like, so hot. <laughs> um, in the middle of the day, so yeah, it was interesting. Did you have to worry about uh, sunburns? Yeah, yeah, definitely because of this. I mean, just the reflection the of the snow. Yeah, and I think. Uh, my sunglasses, like I can see why some people wear the sunglasses that kind of cover the sides of your eyes too, because mm-hmm. it was just pretty intense. Like sometimes I had to drape a bandana over my face just for the um, the glare of the snow. But yeah. When you say drape a bandana, are you talking about like nose down or are you talking about something else? Um, like underneath my hat. So it kind of provided oh. more shade. <laughs> yeah. Like cover the sides of my eyes. Yeah. Damn, do you have a picture of that? Um, I don't, but if only. <laughs> yeah. Purposefully you don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How was it for you being in the snow, being in particularly in the Sierras with your ice axe and your crampons or microspikes and you know, I saw you guys in your video, you were showing the doing the self-arrest stuff. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. How was yeah. that? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I had never used an ice axe before. Um, barely even knew like what it was used for before going out there, which is always good. Um, but I mean, it's not good. You should definitely <laughs> research this or find out more. I think I had watched one video. But then, yeah, so uh, the friends and I that we were that I was hiking with at the, the time, none of us had really used an ice axe. So we kind of made it a point like, oh, we have to practice because otherwise if we're carrying this and we don't know how to use it, there's no point in even carrying it. So yeah, kind of the first chance we got, we just kind of threw ourselves off a little hill and <laughs> practiced, um, which I thought was actually so helpful. It made me feel a lot more confident carrying the ice axe, just knowing I knew how to use it and then I, I I had trust in it that it actually worked to do its job of stopping you on if you fall down. So um, I think anyone going out there with a lot of snow, I think it's, I recommend um, practicing definitely. And it wasn't, from what you were just saying, it wasn't like there was a mountaineer among you who was sort of guiding it? Not really. There was one girl in kind of a, larger group that um I was in who she's from Canada and like she's done probably out of any of us she had done the most she well she had used an ice axe before so that was (laughs) different than any of us um so she kind of talked us through 
what you're what you had to do so she kind of just said like this is how you hold it this is how you you know use it and stuff and then yeah I think then that day or later that day when we did a practice she wasn't there but um I think she gave us a good enough rundown that we felt like we could do it so yeah um luckily I mean none of us ever had to actually use it in an actual survival scenario but I felt safer having it yeah and I guess it kind of did look fun throwing yourself down a small hill yeah yeah it was pretty fun I mean it was kind of scary but then fun when you realized it was totally fine (laughs) yeah that it actually all worked properly yeah I was like oh yeah this is fun (laughs) so um I think if you're actually falling and had to use it probably not fun would be the word but um (laughs) yeah but I also saw you like as you were going over the passes and such Mm -hmm. you know you had ice axe in one hand and pole in the other Mm -hmm. um particularly I think over Forrester, which is quite a small, I guess, trail, if you want to even call it that, through the chute. Right. Um, it looked precarious. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, it definitely is kind it is. I think what they say about it is low risk, high consequence. So, I mean, like, <laughs> as long as you make if you, as long as you're pretty careful with your steps, then it's perfectly fine. But if you are were to fall, then it would not be a good thing. Um, yeah, but, it's a long way down. Yeah, I. So we had done Mount Whitney um, before that, and so Mount Whitney was like going up is that kind of same forest surpass where you're going over this ice chute, but it happens at least seven times going up. <laughs> so and that was my first time ever doing something like that so to me Mount Whitney was uh pretty scary <laughs> just because I was like oh I don't know what I'm doing and this is a big ice shoot anyway so then by the time I did Forrester I was like oh just one this is fine <laughs> you were an old hand at it yeah I was like it was actually like yeah we kind of thought it was kind of fun that day doing Forrester just because we had already done Whitney and I saw you guys when you were going through the shoot because there was kind of a group of you, you, mm-hmm. you were going across the street one at a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess, yeah, we just did that for safety reasons. You know, if someone is going to fall or, you know, mm-hmm. not not to rush people or I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I couldn't tell, I guess, from your videos, how big the tramway was that you were, that you were traveling with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it kind of changed throughout. But so, yeah, I was with my boyfriend the whole time. And then like in the beginning, we were just us two a lot. I mean, we would see people all the time, but we weren't really continuously hiking with anyone. Um, But then we knew for the Sierra that we, you know, wanted to be in a group. So and then everyone was grouping up because it was just for safety reasons, really. Um, So, yeah, there are some people that we had been kind of like hanging out with all throughout the way that we ended up grouping up with. And I think to start there was like nine or 10 people maybe, but then, and we like started off into the Sierra with that many people and then quickly realized it was just way too many people to be trying. It just wasn't um, practical. Um, It's just too many people. So we ended up splitting up into smaller groups. So we were a group of five mostly. Yeah. in the Sierra. Um, And then what two of the other people was another couple that we ended up hiking quite a ways with um but yeah and other people would come and go and 
Yeah. Now, when you were saying that it was that the group that size was too many, was that mm-hmm. just because of like finding campsites or because I did see like when you were going over Forrester, there was a line of people. So everybody kind of had to stop yeah. and wait. Yeah. So I guess because in the sea, I mean, for, for something like Forrester, I guess most of the passes in the Sierra people, you really would kind of want to do it first thing in the morning while the um, snow is still hard before it starts melting. Cause just, um, yeah, easier to do then. So every time you're going to do a pass or something, there's just so many people, tons of people like, um, so everyone kind of just, I don't know, people are just on the same schedule. Kind of. Um, but yeah, I guess so the big groups didn't work as well just because throughout everyone kind of has a different hiking speed and pace. Um, and so some people were going a lot faster. And I think having people who are slower, it just isn't practical when you're trying to wait all the time for um, people. And when you're in a group for safety reasons and you're always trying to make sure everyone is safe, you want to know where everyone is kind of throughout the day, just have like an idea. And I think with that many people, it's hard to keep track of all the people. Yeah, it just, just didn't seem to work out as well. So, so you shrunk down. Yeah, shrunk down. I think. It was really important too to just be with people that you felt really comfortable with and you trusted really well and you felt safe with. And um, it just seemed a little bit easier in a smaller group for that, I think, in my opinion, at least. Yeah. Did that help when you got up to Washington and the snow dumped on you and that kind of stuff? Did that, having gone through the series, even though obviously temperatures are different and so forth, did that help making you feel like the three days are possible? Yeah, definitely. I think by that, the last day um, we did, I mean, it was going down some kind of sketchy snowy parts, but I felt a lot like pretty comfortable in the snow. And I was like, oh, actually, this this isn't so bad. I was like, maybe I have learned. (laughs) Yeah. So I think that helps a lot. Definitely. It's an ironic version of the trail trains you for the trail. Right. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Yeah. What? Okay. <laughs> Nick's front, the front pockets on uh, his yeah. pack. Yeah. Seemed to almost like double the amount of size that he was getting. <laughs> yeah, I think. Okay. So I know there's so many questions about this <laughs> on my videos. Um, so what it is, it's the brand of pack. It's called Arn. It's a New Zealand company. Um, and I think like the actual volume he was carrying was not any more than what a lot of other people had. Um, Cause if you look kind of like from, I don't know, like a shot, like um, of his back, like the pack is actually like pretty small. Like it doesn't go, a lot of people's packs like go up over their head or something. His never went over his head. It was like pretty low down. And then the front pockets were so it's designed to be a counterbalance. It's like a called a body pack. So and they the front packs clip into the hip belt. It really kind of just puts all the weight on your hips, and there's not so much on your shoulders or on your back, um, which is actually really comfortable. I found it just didn't quite fit my body that well, um, but it makes a lot of sense. And then yeah, I guess the difference too is that so like for example, I had hip belt pockets and a fanny pack. Um, and water bottle pockets and all of the stuff that I had in those pockets he had in his front pockets so like that's he didn't have extra water bottle pockets or like hip belts or a fanny pack those were kind of 
all that stuff was in there. Yeah, so I think it's just kind of the appearance. The appearance is just looks different, but <laughs> yes. it's just yeah. the, the same stuff distributed in a different way. <laughs> if that makes sense. Absolutely. Did yeah, he but, yeah. like hiking with it? I guess. Yeah, uh, he liked it a lot. Like he, I mean, I was always complaining about my packs. <laughs> I had like a lot of pack issues, and he never want like his. He thought his was like great the whole time. I think his biggest complaint was just that people didn't understand it and like made a lot of weird comments about it. <laughs> and he just got tired of having to answer the questions, but um, that's not so bad if that's the worst. <laughs> he should have just had a pre-recorded message. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was causing you the most problems pack wise? Um, I think, well, so it was the one thing that I didn't really, well, actually that's not true. A lot of the stuff I hadn't used really before I, <laughs> went out there but um I think yeah I just I hadn't really had a chance to use the pack that I started with before using it so that's probably not ideal situation um but I I don't really know I don't know I think it was that I just had the wrong torso size for my body um with the first pack I used so it just kind of the weight I couldn't adjust the weight as well as I wanted to yeah, I don't know. It just felt like I could never quite get it to fit right. And it could have just been a user error. Like, I just didn't know how to adjust it right. It's very possible. Um, or, <laughs> I don't know. But I, I tried a lot of things. I tried adjusting it so much. And I tried a few different packs. I don't know. I just, it's hard to say why. I think by the end, I also was always carrying way too much food, which is <laughs> just made my pack heavier. So, yeah. Uh, it's probably a lot of just my own fault, but <laughs> yeah. Was it that it was causing, was it tiring on your back? Was it weight bearing on your shoulders? Like, yeah, yeah. I felt like mostly it was like, yes to the above. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all, all of the above. Yeah. Just the weight seemed to be on my shoulders a lot. And then, yeah, I just kind of have some back pain, like in different places. And I, I mean, I don't know if that's just any pack would have made me feel like that. I'm not, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You'll have to go out there again and test another one. Yeah, exactly. I'm just going to keep trying packs until I find one. When you ordered your gear, cause you're in New Zealand right now. Mm -hmm. And obviously the trail is not in New Zealand right now. Yeah. Um, yep, yep. <laughs> so how did you organize your gear? Did you literally have it shipped to New Zealand and then brought it back with you? Or did you have it sent to someplace in the States and, yeah. Um, yeah. So mostly I got myself in the States. I mean, I got a few things here, I think that I knew I could, but in general, I think gear is just a lot more expensive here and there's not quite as many options. So yeah, I got a cent. My, um, cause I grew up in California, so my parents are still there. So I got most of the stuff sent to my mom's house. Um, and then I got, I went there like a couple of weeks before I started the trail. So I just arrived to so many boxes of stuff and then got to kind of unpack it all and check it all out. Um, so yeah, which is also why I think I would have preferred to be able to use the gear more before going out there, but I just didn't have the time. So that's something I would recommend for other people. Definitely. Yeah. The time is a big one though. It yeah. Up with everybody. I know. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> And so wait, you're doing the trail this year? Uh yeah, April 4th. 
oh, it's coming up really soon. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. So do I'm you feel like you time. have, yeah. Do you feel like you have all your gear or getting it sorted? Hell no. <laughs> I I was in the Philippines for two months and oh, got nice. back the beginning of February and it was sort of the middle of February where I definitively said, oh, I'm going to do the trail this year right. in lieu of something else or a different opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so up to that point, you know, I, since I wasn't sure, I hadn't been doing any prepping really. Um, right. And so now I'm honestly scrambling a little bit to try to, you know, do everything that I need to do and get everything at home kind of situated so that I can take off for five months and not have to worry. Right. Yeah. It's a lot of planning. It is, it is, it is. And it's a lot of, so like my big thing right now, and I'll, I'll ask you this question Um, (laughs) right now is shoes. It's like oh, yeah. find the right pair of shoes. Mm-hmm. That is important. <laughs> yeah. What did you end up wearing out there? Yeah, I ended up wearing Ultra Olympus, which not a lot of people, I only think I only saw like one or two other people wearing them, but I ended up really liking them. And it was kind of another thing that I only got. I got them maybe a week before and I tried them out for a week, but luckily they just ended up working out really well. That was like one thing that I didn't have problems with, which I felt really fortunate about. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, so I got, um, while I was in New Zealand before, like starting maybe a year before, cause I have kind of foot problems already. Like I just have really flat feet and I don't know, just not great. Um, so I, I got custom orthotic insoles made. Um, and I think that helped a lot just with the whole foot shoe thing just for my particular feet <laughs> it made it really nice now what made you go with the olympus over the lone peak which is what i hear from a lot of people yeah well it's so since i do have really flat for, flat feet the lone peaks just don't really have any support like they don't have a lot of padding or support they're very minimal which is good for a lot of people it's good if you have kind of just you know normal a normal uh arch and all of that but for my feet especially like the podiatrist was like no way you cannot wear those like your feet are just um gonna collapse even with the custom orthotics so the olympus have a lot more padding and a lot more support and they feel just a lot more stable for someone like me who have flat feet so um yeah that's why i chose those do you have any lingering issues or did you have any lingering issues after you got off the trail Not really, but I did have a weird thing where my toes were just numb, like for a few months. (laughs) I was like, I don't think it, they weren't numb on trail, but when I got off, they're just kind of like tingly and numb. And actually, like, even now, they might still be a little bit like that. I can't tell if it's gone away or I got used to it, (laughs) (laughs) Um, which is a little worrying, but. Yeah, I I mean, I even when I went to get like a checkup at the doctor, I asked her about it and she thought it was fine. So I don't know. That's the only weird thing that happened. No permanent (laughs) damage was there. Um, Hopefully not, but nothing that I know about. (laughs) At least, yeah. And and the tingling in your toes wasn't something that happened on trail. It was something that... No, yeah, just afterwards. Yeah, it's very weird. So I don't know if it's something kind of like... Yeah, like some kind of pinched nerve or something has happened, but I don't know. Yeah. 
but but nothing else uh no yeah nice. no yeah I feel very fortunate that nothing yeah it didn't get in third yeah how far in advance did you like when did you make the decision to hike the PCT I feel like I didn't know f- like a hundred percent sure that I was really going to be doing it until I got my permit <laughs> which was in January of the year I did it so I mean I think I had been thinking about it for probably for like a year, you know, but I think I didn't start actually thinking like, oh, we might really do this until maybe like, you know, October, November beforehand. And then I didn't, the first round of permits in November, my boyfriend got one and then, but I didn't get one just because I was too far down in the line and Anyway, so I was like, oh, no, is this, am I going to get one? I don't know. <laughs> so I think it wasn't until I actually got it. I was like, oh, yeah, it's happening. <laughs> okay. So you were so you were serious about it in the first cycle of, of permitting. Yeah. Like, I knew I wanted to do it. Um, I just didn't quite really understand how that weight system worked, and I wasn't prepared for it. <laughs> To be number 9,999. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so the next time around, I was prepared for that. But um, yeah, I think, I don't know. It was just kind of a, yeah, we were like, all right, let's just do it. <laughs> and made it happen. Yeah. So was was he pretty much on board from the beginning or did you have to convince him? Um, he was, yeah. So he originally, I think we first started talking about it like, you know, a lot earlier, he wanted to do the Te Arara, the New Zealand Trail. And I would love to do that um, probably someday. But I think at the time, I was like, well, I've been in New Zealand now like two years or, you know, I don't, and we've done a lot of hiking in New Zealand. Like, actually, I think I'd rather do the PCT, um, go back to California and the West Coast and all that and just kind of go be in that environment for a while so he kind of was like sure all right let's do that (laughs) um yeah so it worked out did you know about the pct because of having lived in california or did you hear about it somewhere else um i i guess like a lot of people that's cliche now but i first heard about it when i read yeah i read the book wild (laughs) um i think that was in like 2013 i read that book and um, at the time, I mean, I've always loved hiking. Like I've grown up hiking. Um, ha- didn't really grow up doing a lot of backpacking, but at the time I read the book, I kind of thought like, wow, no way I could ever do that. That's amazing, but probably not. And I think actually the book did inspire me to do more kind of solo travel and just do things more alone, um, which was pretty cool. But I think I never really realistically thought I was going to do the PCT, but I've I don't know. I think it wasn't until, like, it was kind of in the back of my mind, I guess, for a, since then. But I think I was like, I saw friends of a friend do it on Instagram a couple of years ago. And then I just started going down, like, the Instagram hall of all these people doing it. And then it made <laughs> me realize, like, oh, wow, like, the actual, like, it doesn't look, like, it looks possible. Right. <laughs> um, and then I think, seen other people even just on YouTube do it and stuff and they just seemed like normal people who could do it and I thought oh maybe I can do it too <laughs> um, which I guess is why I 
you know, make videos and stuff for people just to help kind of show others that they can do this kind of stuff too. You open the world of possibility. Yeah. I mean, I just like to, I mean, it's just kind of giving back because there's so many people who do normal people who do things like this that I've seen online um, have really helped inspire me. So why not give back and try and help other people? <laughs> How has the feedback been for your videos? Like have, have people reached out to you and, and expressed that, that in watching your videos, it's given them. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Like hope. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think it's been a a positive response of the videos and people seem to like them. And um, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I guess so, (laughs) but yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I've been making videos for almost like five years, maybe more by now, maybe six years now, but I started off doing travel videos. So just document, documenting all my travel trips. And it was really kind of about um, just helping to inspire people to travel and all of that. So this is kind of a, just a extreme travel scenario, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's an extension of that longer term and slower. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How long does it take you to put together a video at this point? I know you've kind of, you've now got your footage organized, but. Right. Um, it takes a while. I think I usually don't like to time like, record the time because it just is I think I'm always way surprised at how long it really takes um I think maybe around like eight hours probably for a video just from start to finish doing all the stuff so yeah kind of a while now are you still primarily doing like the video the online stuff and the and the travel videos and things like that or are you did you go back into the workforce in some other way yeah, no, I've gone back into the workforce. Yeah, I mean, got to make the the money. <laughs> got to pay those. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, now I've I've been working full time, and then on the weekends is when I edit videos. So it's been kind of intense because I just have not a lot of free time right now <laughs> until I'm done with these videos. Yeah, that's yeah, it's good. It's it's funny to me because I, I feel a little bit the same way in doing the podcast that you don't realize how much time it takes until you have to go back to work and you're trying to fit the editing around the work schedule. Right. And yeah. Okay. There went that weekend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's kind of just spend a lot of time on, in front of a computer these days, but um, it's okay. Overall, I'm happy to make the video, so it's <laughs> worth it. Yeah. You're inspiring others. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> how how was your sleeping bag? How was your inflatable mattress and all of that and the and the tent situation? For yeah. You? Um. So the sleeping bag was great. Yeah. I really I had never used a quilt before, so I wasn't sure if I'd like it, but I ended up liking it a lot. Um. And for the most time, it was a really good temperature. Um. Sometimes I was too hot. Sometimes I was too cold, but those were kind of the rare occurrences. Did you also have a liner that you used? Yeah, but only for the cold, like when it was really cold. 
and or like in Washington when it was really rainy and all your stuff would just end up getting kind of damp. It was nice having the liner that was more dry <laughs> than other stuff. But yeah, and then the sleeping pad, I started off using a Sea to Summit, like the ultralight pad, which was pretty good. But um, I don't know if mine just had kind of a defect or something, but it just didn't consistently stay inflated. And I, I checked for holes and never found any. So I ended up returning it at REI. And then I got the Thermo SD light, just the foam pad one, which I ended up liking a lot. So it was cushiony enough. Yeah. I mean, yeah, enough is the key word. <laughs> um, I think. And I don't you were know. exhausted enough. Yeah. And to be honest, I didn't sleep that well on trail ever really like in general like I don't know if uh, the pad really would have made a difference I'm not sure why I didn't sleep well because I thought I would always be so tired that it would I would sleep well but I'm um, and in normal life I sleep really well I'm like I never have problems sleeping so yeah I don't I don't know I think it was it was all good enough but um I, I liked the Z yeah, the Thermos one. I liked it that just the convenience and I liked being able to take it out for breaks and just kind of all the other stuff. Never having to blow it up <laughs> or deflate it was Or have it deflate plus. on you. Yeah, exactly. It was consistent. I knew I knew what to expect all the time, which was good. <laughs> you went low tech. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What tent did you guys use out there? Um we used the tarp tent Stratospire two. Um, which I don't, I think we didn't see that many other people with it. I mean, it's not the most ultralight one, but it was really spacious. I felt for two people and, um, yeah, I thought it was good. It, it, no big problems with it or anything. And that, that held up in the rain and the, the snow of, of Washington. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it was no no major issues yeah i heard a lot of people having like their tents waking up and their water inside their tent and having it flood and stuff and we never had that fortunately so yeah it was okay or I, i've also heard of people having to uh, wake up in the middle of the night to knock off snow oh yeah that never happened either so that was good <laughs> yeah did you have any like animal encounters or, or things like that uh yeah nothing well I would say the worst animal encounters that I felt before like I feel like I did a lot of research beforehand and I never like never once did this come up so is <laughs> you were prepared, um though. yeah well yeah I tried to be prepared but no so it's the mice in Washington I hadn't heard anything about really um but to me <laughs> that was the worst for animals just they were and I don't know, like in Washington, it was just like pretty much every campsite was just full of mice. And um, they were always trying to get into your tent. And one time one actually did chew a hole into the tent and like woke up, we woke up and it was just like scrambling around. Um, and yeah, went into my food bag. Luckily, I didn't get into any food, but uh, it was just and and then even people I know in Washington who were hanging their food, mice were still finding ways to climb up or like climb down the ropes and get into their food bag. It was just kind of um, 
it really wasn't great because you're walking all day in the rain and then you get to the camp and then you're just kind of up all night because these mice are running around. Yeah, I think that was the animal encounter I disliked most. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It doesn't sound like there's any way to protect against it, really. Yeah, I mean, I guess there are those kind of like uh, are they the year sacks, like the bear proof kind of smell proof bags that you could use that. So the mice really can't smell the food, uh, you know, you can hang your food, but then, yeah, the people I know who did that, it didn't seem to work. Cause apparently the mice are real crafty. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so I don't, I mean, besides using, yeah, the smell proof bags, which I just, it didn't have at the time and it wasn't really, it didn't seem possible to just try and rush and get that for that short of time at the end of the trail. But yeah, I don't really know. I'm not sure. I can just imagine you guys cursing the mice out. Yeah, it was just not, (laughs) it was just kind of like the last thing that you wanted to have to deal with at the the end of the day. You're like, oh, really? No, I have to worry. (laughs) You could just hear them scurrying around all night while you're sleeping. um, Yeah. Yeah, there's other people I know who like, a lot of people got mice chewed through their tents and, yeah, it's just <laughs> just the another way the trail tests you, I guess. <laughs> you think you've got it all handled? Well, handle exactly. This. Yeah, that's how it felt in Washington. It was just like we were like we've been through so much, but <laughs> just well, you know things kept coming. But but no other, you know, bears or mountain lions. You guys had a little bit of rattlesnake, right? Yeah, I saw a couple of rattlesnakes, which was freaky, but nothing like too crazy, fortunately. Um, and then, yeah, we saw bears, but like they were pretty chill. I mean, the black bears are kind of just more interested in doing their own thing. Like they don't really seem to care about humans. They're just kind of looking for food and stuff. So um, the ones we saw were just minding their own business, didn't even care that we walked by. So uh, that wasn't bad. I never saw a mountain lion, which I feel very happy about. <laughs> that was probably You're the animal that, that one. Yeah, I think I was most afraid of mountain lions, but yeah, I never saw anything that I know about. At least <laughs> I'm sure they were there. I just didn't see them, so that was good. Did you hike a lot solo, or were you and Nick always pretty close together? Um, we were always like relatively close, but yeah, we definitely weren't like next to each other all day, every day. It was, that would have been too intense. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, throughout the day we would definitely be spread out and not, not right next to each other. So did that kind of help to, even though you guys were essentially spending 24 seven together, did that kind of help to make it almost more like a we'll call it a work day where you're a little bit apart and then you kind of come back together and. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I mean, I think, yeah, I just, I'm pretty, I'm like a, an introvert as well. So I just like for me having alone time is really important. So Mm -hmm. just, I don't know. I mean, some people are able to just hike with people all day and talk to them all day but I'm not one of those people so (laughs) kind of just like to be able to zone out and do my own thing and go at my own pace for parts of it and then parts of it like being with people is really cool as well um but just yeah mixing it up 
What did you do when you were zoning out or when you were on your, on your own hiking? What, what did you use or do to pass the time? So for a long time, I just did nothing. I mean, <laughs> I didn't listen to What's anything. What does that mean exactly? <laughs> yeah. Well, like, so I think up through the Sierra, I pretty much never listened to anything on my headphones or, I mean, I would just walk. And what was interesting is that I, I always thought like before doing it, I was like, Oh, I'll have all this time to like think about the world and life and I'll come to all these conclusions. But then it was kind of funny. <laughs> like in the Sierra, we talked about this cause we were like, we thought, you know, like we all thought we would be having all this, these deep thoughts, but then what was actually going on in my head was just like, like, really dumb children's songs like the song like the ants come out tune one by one <laughs> that would just be on repeat or like other songs and like my a girl I was hiking with like she said something similar and we were like oh this is weird because we thought we would be thinking all this deep stuff but really we're just like thinking of the dumbest stuff <laughs> um and so how far kind did of, the ants get yeah I only know like one verse of that. So it just, it wasn't far. <laughs> it wasn't very good. Um, but yeah, it would just be songs kind of on repeat in my head. And then anyway, so I got pretty tired of that. So then probably after the Sierra, I started listening to a lot of podcasts. Um, and for me, that was really good just because it kind of forced me to think more about other stuff and just kind of I don't know. You get kind of bored sometimes doing the same thing every day. So just something else to think about besides the basic survival things that I feel like I was thinking about a lot. Outside of the Sierras, did you feel like you were thinking about survival things? Well, I mean, I guess by what I mean by that is that um, I guess through hiking is just interesting because the things that you're focused on throughout the day are, I mean, just basic survival. So like things like food, shelter, water, like that's what you're thinking about. It's just the things that you need for basic human survival. And so um, I would be a lot of the time I was thinking about food, <laughs> just as you know, I'd be thinking about like, oh, okay, only three more hours till lunch or like, I'd just be thinking about the next time I got to eat um, or, you know, I'm trying to plan like the next time I can get water or I'm thinking about like, Oh, where are we going to camp tonight? Like, um, so just thinking about those things that throughout the day, I think that's what I thought a lot about. Okay. Yeah. You, you opened the, the avenue to, to food. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I would be remiss. I would be completely remiss if I did not mention taco salad. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So that was my trail name. I think nobody really calls me it. So I don't know. I think because by the time I got it, most people just knew me as Murray. So, but yeah, I got that at um, Casa de Luna, who, I mean, they're famous for, they have taco salad for dinner every night. That's what they serve. Um, and I had been really excited about the taco salad for a while because I had heard about it and I love taco salads. Yeah. So that was part of it. I mean, we had to like plan our miles to ensure that we were going to get there for dinner <laughs> and all this. I was like, oh, because we could have got there the day before, but we probably would have gotten there too late and we would have missed it. So I was like, no, we'll go tomorrow. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was a thing. And then I was really excited to eat it. And then while I was, after I took a big mouthful there eating it, somebody asked me my trail name. 
And then I, since my mouth was full of taco salad, I was like, whoa, taco salad. And then anyway, and then afterwards I was like, no, I don't have a trail name yet. And then everyone who's sitting around, they're like, oh, I think you do. I think you just named yourself. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I don't know, that kind of (laughs) somehow stuck. How did you end up introducing yourself after that? Yeah, I think at first I was like, no way, I can't be called taco salad, that's weird. Um, And then the next day when I was hiking, I was like, well, I do love taco salads. I can be associated (laughs) with them, (laughs) that's fine. Um, Yeah, the first few times introducing myself as taco salad, I think I just laughed awkwardly a lot, and it was weird. (laughs) Um, Even still, people were usually just very confused, and they're like, what? That's Like people who weren't on the trail. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, but... Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> How do you explain your experience of being on the trail to somebody who has never been on the trail and may not know very much about the trail, if anything, but they asked you the question? Um, hmm. Usually just say like, oh, it was a long walk. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I did a, it was a long walk um, across the U.S., <laughs> It took five and a half months and people are just like, whoa, what? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Most people I think that I've talked to actually have some kind of idea about it. So I haven't had to really explain from scratch too much. Do people ask the why question? Um, yeah, sometimes. Not as often. I mean, not all the time, but um, yeah, I don't know. Not that often, I guess. Circling back to food, because it's oh, yeah. very important. Yeah. How long did it take for a hiker hunger to hit you? Um. Yeah, that's a good question. I think probably not really until, like, probably definitely not in this in the desert. I think I would I was slowly getting hungrier, but not like to the crazy extremes. But maybe like in the Sierra. I guess, or maybe, oh, I, I don't remember now, mm, Northern California or something. Or I know I, I did progressively start eating more and more, but which is also why I started carrying more and more food, which wasn't great for the back. But um, yeah, and it's kind of it was kind of a gradual, I guess, gradual thing. It crept up on you. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it was interesting. While we were out there, we always felt like, oh, we're going to get to town. We're going to eat so much food. It's going to be amazing. And then we'd get to town and try to eat a ton of food. And then you just just, couldn't actually eat that much food, which was interesting. Um, But yeah, I don't know. Did you ever have the waking up at 3 a.m. starving type of thing? Uh, no. Yeah, that never happened. But I I think I ate a lot throughout the day. So (laughs) like, some people lose weight on the trail. And I don't think I really lost weight because I think I ate a lot of food. (laughs) So uh, yeah, I don't know. Did you ever get sick of eating? Yeah, I mean, by the end, I was really sick of eating all the junk food that I was eating. I think I don't think I've ever eaten as much sweet food in my life as I did on the trail. Just so, so much sweet food. And by the end, I just, all I wanted was was vegetables. I just like could, I was just sick of all the food. (laughs) Um, I just wanted like real food again. So yeah, that was 
another reason I was happy to be finished at the end. <laughs> yeah. When you're saying all of the sweet food, was that just because it was what your body was craving or it was kind of, that was what was available? Um, I guess both. I mean, just, yeah, it was just, it was easy to have, well, I don't know. Like I, for one, like I feel like most kind of bars, like energy bars and stuff are super mm-hmm. sweet and there's, you can't, I don't really know what the alternative is for those. Um, and then, yeah, when you just want like a little pick me up, just like candy is so good for that. And then I don't know, just a lot of carbs and stuff, you know, which is yeah. like basically sugar. And then, yeah, I guess it's just hard to eat kind of like whole meals unless you're the kind of person to prepare them beforehand and freeze dry them and send them to yourself. Or because um, if you try and buy kind of the more the nicer backpacker food, it's pretty expensive. Yeah. So what was cheap and available was junk food, basically. Was your resupply plan basically to get what was available in any given town? Yeah, pretty much. There was a couple of times that I knew there'd be a place I was going to go that was going to be hard to resupply. So I'd send a box from, you know, the closest big town before that. But usually I just kind of just wanted to be able to go with the flow and stop whenever I wanted to stop. So yeah, I just got what was, what was available wherever I stopped. Now you were eating or drinking, I should say, your greens yeah. drink. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, that Which was I'm good. You can't get everywhere. No, yeah. So I guess some things like that I got on online, and then um, you know sent it to the post office ahead, or I think my mom sent me some at one point as well. So stuff like that. And then I liked having protein powder, which wasn't always easy to get. So that kind of stuff, I would order usually on Amazon or something, and then just send it ahead. What was the greens drink that you were consuming? Um, I, mm, good question. I don't remember the name. <laughs> I think I started off doing it every day, and then there was a big chunk in the middle where I stopped doing it just because I ran out. Um, but I did every day usually have an emergency, and then also Calm. It's like a magnesium powder that's supposed to help, like, calm me down or like it's supposed to be good for sleeping and muscle recovery um so I would try and have that every day usually after dinner or with dinner that was sort of your uh after dinner beverage yeah yeah usually it was like before dinner I called it happy hour I'd be like oh happy hour time (laughs) yeah did you have a stove or were you cold soaking or uh I had a stove yeah Yeah, I had a stove. Um, I just had the small, the BRS, um, which I thought was fine. And I only really ever cooked at dinner. The rest, I just had whatever cold stuff. So what was your, what was your, oh, that overnight oats, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was what I ate for breakfast a lot of the time, which was really good. I liked that. But then got kind of tired of that and then ended up doing kind of like protein powder with like cereal or granola. That was pretty good. When you were saying protein powder with cereal or granola, did you use sort of like evaporated milk or something like that or just? Yeah. Well, like a vanilla kind of protein powder as mixed with water as the milk and Uh, then like making that. Yeah. Which I thought that was good because you could kind of, um, I don't know. After a while, the overnight oats, I guess, 
the texture of like a hard crunchy cereal was just kind of nice <laughs> after a while. But so overnight oats. Yeah. What? How? When? Where? Who? And why? <laughs> um. Yeah. Well. So I would. I ate overnight oats a lot before the trail. Like I just think it's really hard. It's like a good breakfast, hearty breakfast. And so on the trail, we would usually put in like um, some sort of protein powder and then oats. And then it's kind of good because you can just put in whatever you want. So like, you know, seeds and nuts and dried fruit, you know, whatever you feel like. And then you just before bed, mix it up with some water and then just let it sit. And then in the morning you have breakfast is all made. And um, I think it's just like really filling and hearty and like... Um, you know, pretty tasty. It was your version of cold soaking? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's kind of just so you don't have to heat up like oatmeal or something in the morning. Did you find that to be an... Did you find that to be a thing that, you know, a lot of people talk about wanting to sleep in until the last possible second and then rolling out of bed and not... You know, because having a, like a hot meal takes time, and that's right, yeah. the last thing that they wanted to do, yeah, they just needed to get on the trail, right? Yeah, so that's part of it. I mean, I guess usually we try in the very morning to just eat like a some kind of bar, like some kind of energy bar or something, or and then like we would walk for a while and then sit down and have like second breakfast, we like to call it, and that's when I'd eat the oats. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think just like being able to like get up and leave, start walking was for me helpful. Otherwise I probably would have just sat around camp way too long. <laughs> yeah. You would have just luxuriated in the, Oh, I've got to warm the water and I've got to. Yeah. 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 It just would have been, I think just being able to like get miles under your belt first thing in the morning, just was kind of nice to be like, Oh, we, at least we've already done that. <laughs> Yeah. What was your longest day? Um, 40 miles. How did your body so, like that? Uh, yeah, I was pretty tired at the end, but um, we did it the day before Timberline Lodge in Oregon, which has the breakfast buffet that a lot of hikers go to. So it was really good motivation. We are like, oh, yeah, we're going to get buffet tomorrow. <laughs> so, but I think by then, I don't know. I mean, some people do that kind of mileage like all the time, but to me, that was a pretty big accomplishment. It felt like I was like, oh yeah, I made it 40 miles, but. um, So was the buffet worth it? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. We almost (laughs) stayed for lunch as well, but we decided not to. Um, Yeah. It's, it's definitely worth the hype. That one was really good. Did you then sort of uh, stick around Timberline a little bit and maybe sit in some of the chairs out back and. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I stayed there for several hours. Yeah, so yeah, it's a really cool place. And did you, I'm trying to remember, did you make it for trail days? No, yeah, I didn't make it. I was, I think when trail days was going on, I just got to Oregon. So just a couple weeks behind. behind. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You, how do I, how do I want to phrase this? How do I want to ask this? What was your experience like with 
kind of trail angels and trail magic and um, that, that kind of extra community around the trail. Overall, yeah, I was just really blown away by the generosity of all these people who take their time to provide trail magic. I thought, I think that's something unlike anything else I've ever experienced traveling or in life. Uh, just that kind of just pure generosity and kindness is really amazing. But yeah, I think, I mean, just, yeah, anytime you got any kind of trail magic felt like the best day ever, you know, even just like a cold soda would be like, just make you feel so good. So yeah, I thought that's a really special part of the trail. Did you find it showing up when you needed it the most? Yeah, sometimes. Um, I think, yeah, there were just some days, yeah, it was just like the best thing that could happen to you. You know, it felt like the the most amazing thing. And yeah, I mean, it it really made me want to go back and try and do trail magic at some point for other people just because I know how, how good it feels. Yeah. Did you stop by your parents' house while you were on, or your mom's house or whatever, while you were on the trail or after the trail? Um, yeah, I didn't stop on the trail, but she came to meet up um, in Sierra City, and then my dad came to meet up in Lake Tahoe, and that was really cool to see them and um, kind of spend that time. And then, yeah, I went back and stayed at my mom's for, yeah, maybe like a month or so after the trail. So that was really good just because I, I do live in New Zealand. It's, you know, it's really good to be able to spend that time with them. Yeah. Yeah. What was their response to seeing you, to seeing the trail you? Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know my dad was saying like, he thought I looked really strong. <laughs> and I think for me, you know, like when it's just a grad, it just happened also gradually. I was like, oh, I didn't, you know, I think. Yeah, I think it was cool. They, I had a Garmin in reach that I would track every day. Like it um, recorded like on 10 minute intervals where I was. And they both really enjoyed being able to watch the um, progress and see where I was the whole time. And I think that helped them feel kind of connected to the journey. Um, so I think they were just really happy to be able to be a part of it and come meet up and all of that. Now your your Garmin Inreach was it a just an Inreach or an Inreach Mini? Uh the Mini, yeah. Okay. And it was basically kind of update, almost like satellite updating your position. Yeah, yeah. But it also does text, right? Yes. Were you were you texting anybody or um, location or not, like end of day report? Yeah. Not not like that. Um, I used it a couple times, like when we were trying to meet. Um, other trail friends maybe we would text um, or like when I was trying to coordinate with my dad about meeting up um, use it then but not like regular text so were you kind of staying in contact at all with the rest of the world or did you kind of just go into the bubble and and enjoy being in that bubble yeah I mean both I guess like when I did have service it was really good to (laughs) connect with the world Uh, But then when I didn't, I think it's also nice to just be disconnected and enjoy that time because that's pretty rare these days. Do you feel like taco salad has come off the trail with you? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, it's it is interesting because I think it's such a gradual change for yourself, or like gradual kind of growth. I think um, over all those months, uh, you know, when I first ended the trail, I was like, yeah, it just kind of felt like okay, that happens. Um, but I <laughs> think <laughs> as time goes on, I realize that just that yeah like I think it I I mean it there's no way that it can't change you from that experience but even just the other day I kind of looked back at one of my videos that I did before the trail just because I was I talked about some gear that I wanted to look up um and I just think I to myself I, I look so different then than I feel now like it was just a year ago but I feel like there's just more of like an innocence about me then I don't know <laughs> and then I'm like oh yeah I've, I've been through some things <laughs> I don't know I can't really explain but I think yeah I think the trail just makes you I don't know I think I feel like more grounded and more just more appreciative of all the small things in life that most people take for granted day to day um, and I think that's something that doesn't come easy you know getting that real appreciation so that's probably what I've taken with me are there pieces of of her that you wanted to bring off trail with you specifically yeah I mean yeah I guess just like that appreciation for all the little stuff you know it's like when you're on trail like you're never more excited for a shower, you know, and then in normal life, it's just kind of a given that you're going to take a shower that day. <laughs> like you're never like, Oh my gosh, yes, I'm going to take a shower. <laughs> but on the trail, that's how, you know, that's how it is with so many little things that in everyday worlds, you just, it's normal, you know, or, or sleeping in a bed, like on trail, you're like, if you go to town, you're like, yeah, sleeping in a bed. But, um, you know, normal life, I wouldn't do that every night. So I think it's just, or I mean, if you, you know, did, people would look at you strangely. Yeah, exactly. So I think I'm trying to just, you know, remember that feeling and just being grateful for all those little things that I do take, take for granted. So I think, and then I guess just the, no, you know, like, uh, doing the trail, I guess it just made me realize you know like how strong I am and I am capable of doing things that I put my mind to so I think that's a good thing to carry with me what is a wild and crazy thing that you've wanted to do but maybe didn't maybe didn't think or doubted that you could um that having done the trail now you're kind of like you know it's a good possibility yeah, that's a good question. Well, I don't know. I mean, I've always wanted to run a marathon, which like I now, I mean, I've I've walked a lot of marathons. <laughs> As you say, you've sort of already done it, but Yeah, um so like that I'm like, oh yeah, I could I could probably do that. Um but I used to think I don't it seemed like a lot more of a far-reaching goal and now it seems a lot more attainable. Yeah, I guess that's one thing, but I don't know. What was it like doing that first 26.2 or more mile day? Yeah. And then realizing um, that you literally just walked a marathon. Yeah, it was really exciting. It was, <laughs> yeah, it was, we were like 
all celebrating like, Oh, we did it. <laughs> um, I mean, and then it happens a lot more times later. So yeah, pretty crazy. And then, yeah, it just kind of became normal, which is um, crazy in itself. Right. Yeah. When, when going a marathon is kind of a yawn fest. Yeah. We just did another marathon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's weird. So your mention of a shower actually mm -hmm. uh, triggered a question for me, which is a random ass question because I know nobody carries the soap and all of that stuff with them, the soap and the shampoo and the conditioner and whatever mm -hmm. with them. So hence my question, which is yeah. when you're in town and you have that shower available to you, I'm assuming that you just, since you're in a hotel or something like that, that those things are there and that's what you are using. Or are you going shopping beforehand because you know there's a shower? Um, both. Yeah, that actually was kind of annoying to deal with. <laughs> because when you do have the opportunity for a shower, I felt like I really wanted to be clean and like use actual shampoo and conditioner and stuff. Um, so sometimes, yeah, if you're staying at a hotel, like they'll probably have little bottles. If you're not staying at a hotel, like, you know, maybe there's just like a random shower that you can use. There, you can always look in a hiker box because a lot of times other people will buy those and then, of course, they don't want to bring them. And then sometimes I did go and buy little shampoos and stuff. And then once I had them, I did, I actually did carry them sometimes because I'm just that person that loved carrying <laughs> extra stuff. <laughs> but I just found it sometimes I felt carrying it for a week or whatever was in my mind at the time, the rationale seemed like that was easier than going on a hunt to find it by the time I got to town. Like I was just didn't want to have to deal with it. So I was like, I'll just carry it. It's fine. It's a few ounces. Yeah. But I think that's probably why I complained a lot about my backpack as well. <laughs> I did stuff like that. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I think, yeah, you kind of just make it work or if you're with, you know, a group, then you can all go in and buy like a big bottle of shampoo together or something. Um, what would you consider your luxury item? Um, that's a good question. I feel like I, I mean, I guess like I had a pillow. I don't know if that's, I guess <laughs> like a, you know, just a small blow up pillow mm -hmm. um, that I enjoyed having. Otherwise, I don't know. Carrying shampoo. <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> um, carrying shampoo and conditioner and all the rest of it. Right. Yeah, I didn't carry them all the time, but it would just be like if I had a little, sometimes a little half bottle. I was like, oh, I'll just keep this. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. What was one of your more difficult, challenging, least favorite days on trail? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I can't, no specific days coming to mind, but I found just in Washington in the rain was pretty challenging, just mentally. When it was just day after day of rain and, you know, you're packing up a wet tent in the morning and then putting up a wet tent at night and then just being cold and wet all day. That was... That was hard. <laughs> I think Seattleites feel your pain. Yeah. And I, I did, I went to um, college in Seattle, so I, I was kind of prepared for that, but not <laughs> <laughs> not quite in the same way. 
Where'd you go to school? Uh, University of Washington. Go Huskies. Oh, yeah. (laughs) What was one of your or your best day or favorite day on trail? It's mm, a good question too. Um, I think overall the Sierra was my favorite section. Yeah, there's a lot of really good days out there. There was there was there was a lot of really challenging days as well, but I think that's what made them feel more rewarding is just getting through the challenges, and it was just so beautiful. I think like, I had my birthday out there, and you know the people I was with they put up. Uh, it was had been one of my other friends' birthday before that, so that we had or they still had the decorations. <laughs> stuff so you know put up decorations and everyone had party hats and we were just out there like eleven thousand feet up in snow um <laughs> having a little party and that was really memorable that was pretty cool did it it uh felt like a unique birthday yeah a hundred percent yeah that's that was a good one where were you on the trail when you realized that yeah you were going to finish it and and you know complete this? yeah thing um i think uh it's fun i'm right now i'm working on the video where we cross into oregon and um in the like i I recorded myself saying like oh we only have like 950 something months to go like (laughs) i think we're really gonna do it (laughs) so i think i must have been there like once we got to finish california because california is just so long i think finishing that made me really feel like okay, it's going to happen. And then crossing into Washington was the other time I felt like, oh yeah, now for sure we can definitely do this. Little did you know what what awaited you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, well, actually, so crossing um, into Washington on the Bridge of the Gods, like halfway across the bridge, like basically right at the point where it says, welcome to Washington, it started raining. And then it (laughs) feels like it didn't really stop. So it was, uh, yep, (laughs) kind of knew what we're That's getting into <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah wow washington was so welcoming yeah it was it just you know it's consistent at least <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah oh my god that's hysterical yeah literally at the middle yeah i know i was like what 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 are the chances but <laughs> Yeah, luckily we had just picked up some ponchos in um stopped in Portland and picked up some ponchos. So yeah, that ended up being pretty good for the rain. Did you have rain gear, rain jacket, rain pants, that kind of stuff with you or Yeah, yeah. So the whole time I had a rain jacket and rain pants, which like a lot of people say, like, but when I was doing research, a lot of people were like, oh, you don't need those for the desert. Um, this 2019, I was really glad to have them because it did rain in the desert and there was snow in the desert and just things like that. So, yeah, I carried those the whole time, which I never regretted having. Um, and then, yeah, for Washington, I got a poncho that I would wear in addition to the other rain gear. And that worked pretty well. It, was it a poncho that could go over your pack as well? And yeah, yeah, it was specifically made for that. So I mean, you looked, I looked very, um, very cool. I'd say <laughs> so. It's <laughs> a definite, it's a very definite look. But um, I think that's it was worth it. It's funny. I've heard that from a number of people recently about the poncho. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, a nice thing that it can go because it can go over your pack as well, and it's mm-hmm. easy to get on and off. And yeah, definitely. And it's like. Other t- sometimes rain gear you get like really hot and sweaty and the poncho is a little more airy so that's kind of nice. 
But I mean, at the end of the day, when you're walking through rain all day, you'll probably be wet regardless in some way or another. <laughs> yeah. Washington is a giver. Yeah. I mean, hopefully for you, you'll be good. I think this year on the PCT looks like it's going to be way different weather-wise. So. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, at the very least, the, unless some storms come in, knock on wood, um, the Sierra snowpack is much, much lower. Yeah. It looks, yeah, it's going to be, it looks like it'll be really good. So yeah, hopefully you don't get the rain, but even people this year, like um, who finished earlier, <laughs> they didn't, they missed the rain in Washington. So true. Yeah. It's, it's just timing really, but you can't really plan for that weather stuff. <laughs> yeah. Mother nature has a mind of her own. Yeah. Yeah. What was your favorite town meal? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, like, like where is the place that I should not miss? Oh yeah. Another way of looking at it. I think Stahegan was really good for that. That's like at the end, but there's a bakery there that's really good. Um, and then we stayed at they had there's a lodge there, and we thought that was going to be our last town stop before we finished because little did we know we were going to have to get off in Winthrop. Um, but so we there's a lodge. Um, I mean, it's more expensive than we would have wanted to pay but then actually like my dad was really nice and ended up paying like surprising us by paying half which was really sweet of him um but yeah uh but they have like a the food is all inclusive so they give you breakfast lunch and dinner and so and it's like kind of like a buffet type of thing and um that was really good and memorable and i thought that was really worth it (laughs) But yeah, Stahegan was a good stop for for food, I thought. Perfect. And I know I've yeah. heard about Mom's Pies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was good. And Julian, yeah. Definitely worth a stop. You can't turn down free pie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Particularly at that point. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, Yaks and Dunsmere, I thought had really good sticky buns. Or no, it was, yeah, Dunsmere. That's near like Mount Shasta. Yeah. I mean, I think all the food was good because <laughs> you just want any food that's not the food that you're normally eating. But yeah, it's funny. I, I was mentioning uh, I spoke with uh, uh, Jeff, who on Instagram goes uh, "Saved by Mountains." Oh yeah, yeah, Ivy Tat, yeah, Ivy Tat, yeah. And at at one point in the later videos that he was doing, he I think he he was saying he got bored or whatever, and did uh he was videoing like pizza and eating pizza and the string stretch or the cheese stretching and that kind of stuff and i was like that looks like food porn <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that's how it felt <laughs> when you're eating it it'd be like <laughs> just so excited yeah it's yeah that's the other thing yeah you never appreciate more is just food <laughs> yeah any shape form food yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where can people follow you or find you if they want to uh, see your your journey on the PCT and or follow your continuing adventures? Yeah, um, on YouTube, uh, it's Mari Johnson. Um, also Instagram, Mari Johnson. That's those are the main places I post stuff. Perfect. Is there anything you feel like we should talk about, but that we haven't yet? Um, 
I don't know. Nothing's jumping out. Yeah, I think we covered a lot of good stuff. Okay, I have then one last question for you. Okay. Yes. Which is what comes next? Oh yeah, that's the big question. Well, <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, right now I'm still kind of like in the oh, I got to work and save up money. <laughs> Can't really quite jump into anything else at the moment. Um, and I'm also kind of just enjoying like regular life at the moment, which is still weird for me as someone who always likes to travel, but. Um, yeah, so do this for a little while. Um, and I just moved to a new city in New Zealand, so kind of just exploring the new city. Um, but then, I don't know. I mean, want to do another trail? I think, yeah, eventually it would be cool. I don't think I'm quite ready yet, like mentally or I guess um, financially. <laughs> but I would love to do the New Zealand one. I think that would be really cool. Um and I mean, other, other kind of trails, um, I've always been interested in the Camino de Santiago. I think before I ever even considered doing the PCT, I really wanted to do that, the Camino. That's kind of several years ago. I was really trying to do that. So I'd love to do that one day. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's also just a lot more other travel that I want to do in the world. So it's, it's always really hard. I'm like, oh, <laughs> so many options. Um, and yeah, just kind of I'm not sure exactly what. You'll, uh, you'll figure it out when you get there? Yeah, exactly. I kind of just, yeah, it's too hard to plan too far in advance. So just kind of figure it out as I go along. It's pretty much what I like to do. <laughs> yeah. There was kind of wrapping this up, I guess, but there was one in the Sierras. Obviously the water is high. It's very fast. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And there was one particular log crossing that you guys did Mm -hmm. that was more of a log scoot than a. (laughs) Oh yeah. 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 (laughs) I know the one. (laughs) How. I mean, after you get to the other side, of course, it looks, it's all good. Right. But in the doing, not so Mm -hmm. much. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, the log crossings to me were really scary. (laughs) I didn't enjoy them. I think I always would have preferred walking through the water when I could, as opposed to doing the log, just because I feel like there's a lot more risk on a log than... um, when you're just walking through the water. Um, yeah, I really didn't, didn't enjoy those. Not so much. Um, some people seem to do just fine, but yeah, I thought that the scoot one wasn't as bad for me. Cause I felt like I wasn't going to fall off. But, um, Being that yeah. low to the ground was this helpful. Yeah. Yeah. You're kind of just like scooting across, but there were some that were, felt pretty sketchy. Yeah. So that, I did not enjoy the log crossings. Hopefully you don't have to do them. I don't think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, in my head, I kind of go log crossing, which is kind of sketch. Mm-hmm. Freezing water fast. Right. Yeah. Kind of sketch. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes both all the options are bad. Uh, <laughs> there's, yeah, I think. 
I don't know. I mean, yeah, you just take it slow and do the best you can, I guess is, (laughs) um, but yeah. Did you guys, if you guys got off the trail and sort of walked up the bank, were you generally able to find better places to cross? Safer places Um, sometimes. Yeah. There was kind of one of the first times we did a log crossing. We knew if we walked a half mile up trail, we could cross um, this creek and it was like ankle deep and slow, but we didn't want, we just didn't feel like walking out of the way that much, which is kind of dumb, (laughs) (laughs) I think, because then the log we did end up crossing just felt really sketchy, but I mean, it ended up being okay. But I think after that, we were always like erring more on the side of safety and like, you know, sometimes in the Sierra, there were alternates that you could take if for like the big crossings, there were, yeah, if you walked a little bit out of the way, then it would be fine. So we did that when we could. But sometimes like the one where we scooted across there really, we walked up and down and there was nowhere that was better to cross besides scooting on the log. So that's why we ended up doing that. Was it through gut hooks or whatever that you knew of different options or? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Gut hook, the comments on gut hook, which also I felt <laughs> that those like became a thing because the people, the, just the um, conditions were changing so rapidly in the Sierra, like yeah. the snow was melting every day. And so people who had left comments from a week before, you know, the conditions could have been drastically different by the time we got there. So I feel that I got, you know, successfully fear-mongered a lot by comments on GetHook because, you know, that we'd know we'd have a creek crossing and we'd look at the comments um, about it that were from maybe a week or two before. And people were saying like, oh, sketchiest crossing ever. Like people, like you fall, you die and like all this stuff. And so I would just be so scared because I'm like, oh, this is going to be really intense. But then by the time we would get there, it'd be nothing really that bad. Um, so I, I had to learn time and time again that you really can't trust the comments <laughs> all the time. And I guess just everyone has a different perspective as well. So something that might seem really scary to one person is not scary to another or vice versa. So yeah, I felt sometimes you just couldn't really listen to the advice or the comments on Gut Hook. Did you get to a point where you waited to read the comments until you got to the place not usually i still probably did it before uh because i guess just at the time you know i would kind of in when i had downtime like that's when i'd kind of look at comments and go through stuff and while you're walking you don't really want to or once you get to a scenario you don't really want to like try and take the time to figure it out in the moment um, the other resource that we used that we thought was really helpful was Andrew Skirka um, had put together like a Sierra Creek crossing guide and he kind of classified them, I think like one to four or something like how, you know, strong or like how intense the Creek or would be. Um, and then he gave advices on alternate crossings. Um, so that was actually really helpful. I think we used that a few times. Where, where is that? Sorry, where is it? Yeah. Um, I think it was on his website. I don't really know. <laughs> yeah, Andrew, I can try and find it if you want and send it over. But How do you spell his last name? Um, S-K-U-R-K-A. He's like a really big outdoorsy hiking adventure man. <laughs> um, he has a lot of really good tips and 
things like that. He's a good resource. I am looking for resources. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, do you have any questions for me? Um, I mean, I feel like I could talk to you for a long time about your preparation on your hike, but <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, my preparation is if, uh... so not, not up to speed. It's yeah. pretty. It's pretty pathetic. Um, no, that's but... okay. I mean, I feel like I was probably the same way, but. Um... Yeah, I'm just really excited for you. And do you feel like you've learned a lot through this podcast? I'm sure, probably. I do. It, it's sort of been a good news, bad news thing, I think. In mm-hmm. so much as it's it's been very helpful talking to everybody and getting their perspectives and and hearing their stories and stuff like that, because it certainly makes me feel more connected to the trail and that this is doable and possible and, and all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think circling back to your, your question about trail prep, I think it's also made me a little, uh, lazy is the wrong word, but you know what I mean? <laughs> you, know, right. you know, everybody go, yeah, I pulled it together and you know, yeah, and I just yeah. da, 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 da. And it's like, yeah, I got time. It's only a month, you know? Right. Well, uh, yeah, I think it is a little bit like that. You can totally just, um, make it work as you go along as well. Like you stop in so many towns, you can always switch out gear. It's, I mean, it's annoying financially, I think if you have to buy new stuff, but it's also pretty easy to do. So it's not the end of the world. If you don't love everything right away. I know. And I think that's probably the biggest thing that particularly on the shoe front that I'm most worried about is getting out there and just wanting to throw them off of a mountain. Right. The old Cheryl Strayed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess just, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you because I just got lucky with that, but just start trying a lot of shoes. I did do that before and I would just go to shoe stores and try on a lot of different shoes. And I kind of knew the ones that felt like they weren't going to work for me. Yeah. That's so exciting. And so are you going to do like make podcasts along the way or anything or? I am going to try to. So I, you know, I have a bank of podcasts or episodes that I'll continue to put out and and sort of pre-prepare as Mm -hmm. much as possible. And then once those run out, I will most definitely still be on the trail. And so probably at that point, what I'll end up doing is maybe trying to do episodes, shorter episodes from the trail. Right. Oh, yeah, that'll be cool. Yeah. And maybe just catch somebody and do like a half an hour and just sit down and, and have that conversation with them. Right. Um, or, or get a list of sort of standard questions that you kind of ask each person. Right. Yeah. And get their different yeah. perspectives on it. Yeah. That'll be really good. Any, any question you think would be a good one for that? Um, hmm. I guess just, yeah. I mean, I was asking people like, what gear they're liking is interesting to know. Although I find it's so different from each person that it's not always helpful because <laughs> everyone has their own preference. Yeah. What I find more helpful yeah. is when people can actually explain why they like their gear. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> then you know what to look for in exactly. good gear. Yeah. But yeah, maybe just how they're doing, how they're emotionally doing or physically. And because that's always kind of interesting. It's the kind of stuff later when you finish, you don't remember exactly how you felt all the time because yeah but during it you know (laughs) you know how you're feeling 
Is that what you sort of found in going back through your videos? Yeah, and then I guess it's just easier to... I mean, yeah, you don't... I don't know, hard to say, but... It's just all... It's kind of like a more rosy version of the trail now in my mind because I know... You know, it's all it's all done, and I can just look back fondly. Yeah, nothing was as painful or as hard as it was in the moment. Right. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, I guess it's good. You just ultimately know you can get through a lot, <laughs> even when it's hard. But were you putting out any of your videos while you were on trail? Yeah. So I started off doing that. I started. I had from the beginning. I carried an iPad with me, and I was doing videos from trail. Um, and then the iPad broke in like, um, around Northern California. And I got rid of it. Um, when I saw my mom in Sierra city, I sent it home with her. So then from then on, I didn't make videos anymore, which was actually like, it was annoying, but then I think it was actually ultimately really nice. Cause I just had more time to appreciate the trail and I didn't have to always be worried about making videos. Um, so yeah. It's just all the time and all the work. <laughs> and when you're so tired at the end of the day, it's not always the first thing you want to do. So what would, cause I guess one of the things that I was thinking about doing is doing vlogs from the trail mm-hmm. uh, but and sort of doing them maybe around like each town stop or each kind of section or, or something like that. Right. Um, what would be your recommendation? <laughs> Yeah, I think, I mean, I think ultimately, I I mean, I'm really happy I took all the footage and I have it, but I think doing the videos after the trail is just was nicer. I think because when I was trying to do them on trail and spend, you know, like downtime in my tent at night trying to edit, it just felt really exhausting. Like it was just, you can't. I don't know. I think I wasn't as present in all the moments as I wanted to be because I was all just like, oh, like I have work to do, you know, kind of feeling like, and it just, you know, I wanted to kind of be able to be out there and like be with the other people around and kind of just experience that community. But I think, and that's in the beginning why Nick and I kind of kept to ourselves more just because I didn't really have time to be social. I was like all my free time I need to be editing. And so I just, um, I don't know. I kind of feel like, if you are doing something like that, it's um, you lose out on something else, you know, it's just choosing. Yeah. So I think it was kind of nice later, not having that <laughs> kind of that, you know, weighing over my shoulders all the time. Like, Oh, I should be editing. Or, yeah. Kind of just got to be in the moment more. And it gave you the opportunity then after the fact to come back and visit the videos and, the, or the footage, I should say, mm-hmm. when you were actually doing the videos then? Yeah, yeah. So I think, yeah, and then you can kind of, after the fact, um, you know, spend a little bit more time on it or um, kind of just have it sink in a little more. But, I mean, there are a lot of people who make them out on trail and, you know, all power to them, <laughs> I think. Uh yeah, so I think if you want to, you can. But I think you just have to realize that you it, there are definite sacrifices to make if you're going to... just depends, I guess, how what kind of videos mm-hmm. they are and how involved and how much time they're going to take. But 
I think in general, it's really nice having all the footage and being able to look back at all this stuff. And um, I think just documenting it in some way or another is really good to do. Yeah. Yeah. Putting out a, a trail video seems to be the the standard these days. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, a lot of people are doing it now. So yeah, and I mean, I think because I, I was making videos for a while before that. And it's kind of just what I do when I travel. I've just been filming my adventures for a long time. So for me, it was like a no brainer that I would do that. But yeah, a lot of people now, it's like their first time of filming something like that. And yeah, it's cool. People are getting more creative. And you know, yeah. I loved your on your videos. I loved your topo map. Oh, uh, yeah. Nice. Thanks. Well, and you, yeah. you seem to have two different versions of it. You had one where it was basically flat. I mean, it, right. and it was it was a map, but it was basically flat and you were kind of following it. And then you did have the one that had the depth to it. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's basically just Google Earth. So <laughs> there ah, you can make it. it 3D or not. Yeah. So you were just basically using Google Earth and just putting in your points from here to here? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So I use my Garmin um, every night when I camped, I would put like a little pin, basically like a little waypoint saying this is where I camped that night. Um, so I used those points and cross-referenced them on a Google Earth map. And then, yeah, I just draw the line on <laughs> where we walked that day. Yeah. Nice. But it's kind of good to give reference of where where in the world <laughs> we were at the time. Definitely for that, but it was also fun to watch the little the little red blue whatever line, you know, as you were going off trail a little bit and then coming back on trail and uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, so yeah, it's pretty kind of nice just to be able to document all of that. Yeah. It's it's sort of the uh like the Indiana Jones filmmakers version of okay, this is your world and this is where you are in it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Thank you so much. This has been so much fun. Yeah, so thanks and um I wish you all the best of luck and good luck with Thank you. preparing and I'll be excited <laughs> to see how it goes along. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the preparing is almost more hard than than the actual walking yeah i think it probably is it just seems more daunting at that point but once you're doing it yeah. it'll be fine and i say like, you've done like um iron man and stuff is that true yeah i yeah. Uh, yeah i like the longer triathlons yeah so i think you'll 100 be fine <laughs> like i had never done anything even close to some kind of long endurance sport so um yeah, I think you'll be totally good. Yeah. The the thing that is concerning me is I'm turning 50 this year. Oh, okay. Nice. Well, that's, you're definitely nowhere even close to being like in the older people <laughs> on trail. There's like people in their seventies out there. So. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a lot of young people too. Like I felt like an old person sometimes and I'm, I'm like 34, so because there's a lot of people in their early 20s, um, but but there's still then there's people of all ages, a lot of older people as well. So yeah, I think 50 seems like a great year to do it. 
it's perfectly in the middle of it all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you have a lot of experience. I think what's hard for some people is just if you're not used to doing a long distance type of thing, you know, people just get bored. But I think if you've you've done that before, that's one of the bigger challenges. So you'll be good. And links for Mari's gear can be found on our website at hiking-through.com. Special thanks to Mari for sharing her stories from the trail and Maya Wynn for the use of the song, Try Again. As we come to the end of April, I wonder what May and the rest of the summer will bring in these most unusual times. I hope that you and your family are safe and healthy and ready for whatever comes next. I'll see you on the trail. (laughs) 